I am not an innocent, not bystander. An innocent bystander. I am a threat, am a threat, to, my threat enemy. to my enemy. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am strategic and bold. I will not sit idly by. I will take ground. I will advance. I will tear through my enemy. And my enemy will hate me. I will not avoid the difficult fight. I will fight. I will be wounded. I will be targeted and I will bleed. I will not tire. My wounds will be healed. I will see tragedy. I will feel pain. But I will be restored. My feet will not stumble. My hands will hold fast. I will not be intimidated. Hey, chapter 7, we are once again on the topic of, and you can't capitalize it, it's Satan and demons, that's right. And as we saw before, uh, is there really a devil? Believe it or not, 65% of people say, no, there isn't, okay? And uh, that's extremely shocking, okay? And then we saw in our study, if you were uh, tracking with this, that uh, we took a look about Satan and not just his reality, but where did he come from and, unfortunately, his fall, because he wasn't always the way he was, uh, and, uh, but unfortunately, he is the way he is today, the great accuser, Satan, the evil one, okay? Then we talk about, well, he's not alone. He tricked a third of the angels to go with him in rebellion. So we took a look at the, the uh, demons, which are angels, fallen angels, just like Satan, okay? And uh, look at the, uh, their fall and how that took place. And then we saw, well, what's the present state? What are they up to? Well, last time, if you re recall, we uh, left off that, well, they, they do certain things, okay? And that's where we're at now. At the bottom of page 75, we saw the first thing they do is demons are used uh, to oppose God, okay? And dare I say, anything that God stands for, okay? And uh, as a Christian, if you stand up for God and, uh, and you promote God, guess who's going to oppose you? Demons, because again, that's what they do. They work at opposing God and the things of God, okay? Now, number two, and this is where we are, demons not only uh, oppose God and the things of God, I would add, but demons can oppress the mind. If you ever want to do, we talked about this before, if you ever want to do a fabulous study in the scripture, just take a look at all the occurrences, even just the New Testament, okay, of the mind and how important the mind is. Because what we're going to see, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, oftentimes he attacks the Mind, okay, that's where temptation starts. James chapter one, the mind. As we're gonna see, he comes into this wicked world system to infiltrate and infect our mind with things that are contrary to the things of God to get us into slavery. But let's take a look at that. Demons can oppress the mind uh, almost towards the top of 76. Bondage to demonic forces can be of varying degrees, 
okay, as can yieldedness to God by control of the Spirit. Now, this is why it was beneficial for me to leave this up here for this week. Uh, is that's what we saw. You got your choice every day when you get out of bed. Romans chapter 6, Paul says, you got a choice. And this is your choice now as a born-again Christian. Before things were cool, afterwards, spiritually, we became cut off. And now we got infected with the sin down here, okay? But now you're born again, so you're spiritually alive to Christ. Now the Holy Spirit's inside of you. You got communication, connection, communion going on with God, but you still got this old guy to deal with. So Paul says, Romans chapter six, you got a choice every single day with your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your personality, who you are. You got a choice to make. Are you gonna be an instrument of righteousness or are you gonna be an instrument of wickedness? Well, how's that happen? Well, when you listen to this guy and do it this input from the world, the flesh, and the devil, do uh, you become an instrument of wickedness, okay? Your body gets hijacked, if you will, for those kind of purposes. The Bible says, Paul says, no, nah, you need to be an instrument of righteousness. Well, how does that happen? Well, that's why it's important to feed your spirit, man, with prayer, Bible, fellowship, witness, things of that nature, because that keeps your life in the sphere of the spirit. When you walk and live and keep in step with the spirit in this world, you will not fulfill, Paul says, Galatians 5, the lust of the flesh. You, won't, you don't have to live that way anymore. That's why Paul also says in Romans 6, you are no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to. Well, guess who wants you to? Satan and demons. So what's he do? He comes and he attacks you right here in the mind area because that's where the battle is. Have you noticed? Right? As we, if we get that far, that's why Paul, how many times have we read that passage? Romans 12, 1 through 2. God, Paul says, I urge you. This is important. Highest of importance. I urge you, brothers, to renew your mind with the things of God, not this. Get away from that realm, okay? God wants you to live into that realm, okay? He messes with your mind. So that's your point. It, to varying degrees, the deeper you listen to these three inputs is what he's really saying here, the more that you're going to experience that demonic oppression. What? You mean if I listen and live like the world? Yes, who do you think's the little G of this wicked world system? Satan, that's a demonic issue. We don't like to think of that because we play with it oftentimes, okay? But that's what it is. The flesh, the old us, the sin nature, the me, myself, and I syndrome, the unholy trinity, which is just like Satan's me, my, my. That's, that's of the, the, there. And of course, of actual demonic attacks, okay? Or you can yield, and this is all in the, just that first sentence there, to this realm, the spirit of God, and you'll experience that. That's your choice every single day when you get out of bed. The Bible teaches, though, that man has exposed himself to the evil powers through the fall. That's where this came from. Because of the fall, that got opened up. Okay? Now, before a person's saved, this is closed. This is opened up. This is closed, so to speak. And that's why oftentimes as a non-Christian, I've said this before, hey, the Bible says that the non-spiritual man, the non-Christian, cannot understand spiritual things. So don't go around when you're trying to witness or share with somebody who doesn't know Christ and expect them to act like Christ. I'm not condoning their behavior. I'm not saying to condone their behavior. I'm just saying don't expect them to live a great God. They don't know. But see, that's the miracle of what's called being born again, born from above, born from a higher place, Anathan in the Greek. When the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you, you're spiritually alive. Now, for the first time, you have an option. You really can say no. You really don't have to be a slave to that input anymore but unfortunately christians even christians not just non-christians get tricked in the mind to become a slave of the one they're no longer a slave to okay that's what we're talking about okay man exposed himself to the evil powers through the fall okay some unsaved people who live an un uh, live a, a balanced moral life okay maybe they haven't gone into the drugs maybe they never got into the occult doesn't mean that they're you know 
and he, they're still cut off from Christ because that's the power and the beauty of sharing the law with the laws, right? The Ten Commandments. Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't robbed a bank or I haven't murdered somebody. Yeah, but have you lied? It's a false witness against your neighbor. That's number nine. Stolen something? Oh, yeah, maybe you didn't rob a bank. That's your big sin. But have you ever taken anything without permission? Anything? That's, that's thievery. Call it what you, God doesn't categorize it like that. He doesn't size up sin, 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 right? Okay, but by and large, when it comes to demonic oppression outright, and it gets really bad, I'll get to that in a second, okay? If you're living a decent moral life, which is still the way, you're still disqualified for heaven, but that's the game we play, isn't it? Okay, uh, you may not have a such outward display of demonic oppression in your mind, okay? That's what he's talking about. Uh, they're only mildly influenced by demonic spirits, while others who flout uh, God's moral laws, okay? What did we talk about on Sunday? Romans chapter one. You turn against God and say he doesn't exist, okay? Even though there's plenty of, there's, you're without excuse, he says. There's plenty of evidence in everything he's made, right? He says, you're gonna go, I'm gonna start giving you over, man, and it's gonna get dark. You're gonna go over to sexual immorality, then it's gonna go into depravity with homosexuality and lesbianism, and then you won't stop there. Now you're gonna get a depraved mind. Now you're gonna start inventing ways of doing evil, and then you're gonna start approving of those things that uh, ought not to be done. That's today, right? Okay, and that's what he's saying. Now, now, once you start to go down that route of breaking God's moral laws, how many times do people not think of this? You're opening up the realm for demonic attack. Who do you think's enticing you to do that? Well, why? Because that's opposing, guess who? God. It's a spiritual issue, okay? And they're severely influenced to the point of subjection, okay? Now, others are so dominated that they are oppressed and tormented, okay? It can get to that level. And some are completely possessed by evil spirits. Now, how, how do you get to that level, okay? First of all, don't even flirt with it uh, would be my recommendation, period. Christian, non-Christian, man, don't go there, okay? But if you really want to just see how dark it is, then that's pretty obvious. But see, the enemy, once again, even in our culture, even 20 years ago, we would, we would say, oh, I tell you what, don't mess with those Ouija boards. And we'd say, Ugh. what are people doing today? It's, it's a game. You can go buy it, right? Not only that is, what are the shows on TV? What are they promoting? We won't call it uh, infect yourself with demonology. We'll just call it ghost hunters or whatever. I mean, there's a whole plethora of them out there, isn't it? What do you think people are doing? You're getting seduced. I got a testimony from a guy I know who got saved out of New Age, just like me, very similar testimony. But he's come here a couple times uh, since I moved here from Arizona and joined us for services, him and his family. Great guy. But he, he, in his testimony, he clearly admits, he says, man, we got snookered. We started watching those ghost hunt shows and, and all that stuff. And he says it started to open up doors. He, we started seeing these black shadows. We started getting all this stuff. And my kids were freaking out in the room. They were seeing these apparitions and stuff like that. He says, I had no idea. I'm telling, and then that, now that's being promoted on TV, right? I was on the phone uh, or, or talking with somebody today about uh, how they're a Christian uh, 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 child, even though they warned them against it. Don't mess with the Ouija board. And there were some neighbors that were doing so, okay? Guess what they did? Started messing with it. Kid come home and actually didn't want to come home because there was a black apparition, <clears throat> a demon that was following him. True story. Been there, done that. I, I encountered this before I was saved. Uh, followed him and he was so scared he didn't and the parents say come on it's time to come home he w didn't want to go uh to back to the house because he didn't want to bring him in with him and then the mom get she didn't know what was going on said get in here okay and uh then that's when she began to see the thing and welts were going up on his arm from the, the attack and stuff like that and wasn't well equipped to 
spiritual warfare, didn't know what to do, and tried to put a, a, a crucifix around her necks and start, there was welts, and it was just, and she's, I never want to go through that ever again. She's, yeah, don't mess with it. I've said it before, I said it again, how, how much more motivated, how much more of the piddly stuff would drop off of us if for 24 hours God opened our eyes to really see what's going on in the battle that we're in? We got a job to do, okay? The enemy's real. He really is doing whatever he can, working together with his team, okay, to dupe people straight into hell. God has given us time. If you're still sucking air, go like this. Try it. It's a great experiment. It wakes you up too. All right, now if you ate a cheeseburger before with the onions on it, maybe just make, keep it to yourself. You don't want to cause division or church split. Okay, but it, hey, if you hear, feel breath, you're alive. And if you're still alive, God wants you to do something. And he wants you to live for him, and he wants you to uh, be on a rescue mission. Isn't, what, a, what, an, what an honor it is to be on God's divine rescue mission, to be a part of his plan so that souls will not end up in hell, but will join us forever in a place called heaven. Isn't that awesome? That's what he wants us to do every single day. But the enemy's always out there. He's real. This is not a game. And 65% say, oh, no, just a symbol of evil. And then you have the secular world say, oh, that's just made up by the church to scare you, to rip you off your money. And yet he's still doing it, and it's even being promoted. Anyway, uh, that's one thing. Uh, drugs, that's another one, right? A couple decades ago, oh, no. You know, back in the Reagan administration, Nancy came up with uh, Reagan to just say no, that campaign, no, no. no. Now we have states that are legalizing it. And we see it before. I've been there, done that. What do drugs do? The occult uses them. The uh, mystery Babylon religions use them. Uh, Satanism uses them. And the ritual sacrifices, all that. What do they do to induce people to open them up to receive the actual spirits to become possessed? Drugs. And now we have states legalizing them. Where do you think that comes from? He's messing with your brain, man. But now we've gone so far, Romans chapter one in our society, that we're open it, we're promoting it, we're approving of the things that God says, man, you're in the last stages, don't do that. False teachings, I'll do that one. Why? Well, where do, who, who's the father of all lies? Where do lies come from? Satan. Now, why would he want to promote false teachings? He opposes God and the things of God, right? So a person can get snookered into false teachings. You know, the one, one of the many ones that I got uh, sucked into as a non-Christian was New Age. It's a false teaching. Okay, but there's all kinds of false teachings. If we get that far, we'll look at some other ones that, you know, we'll say, oh yeah, Satanism, that's a, that's a horrible teaching, or, or New Age, yeah, now that I learned about it, boy, that's not true. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the lie of the one world religion movement. Uh, I'll never get caught up into that. Uh, we got some other ones, uh, secular psychology, humanism, materialism, evolution, just as deadly. They just got a different package, different label on it, okay, as well. Now, that's not all they can do. Demons can oppress the body. Okay, this one really, I don't, I don't think we'd like to think about this, okay, but, it, but it, it happens. Demons can cause physical ailments such as dumbness, blindness, and various other defects and deformities. In all such cases, medical and psychiatric treatment are of no avail because the cause is what? Demonic. I, you guys hear the couple studies ago, and I was telling you, I, it, it doesn't seem so much out here, not to say it doesn't happen, but man, on the East Coast, I was doing all kinds of, uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, calls to psych wards. It was huge out there. And uh, man, you, whoo-wee, you know, uh, and I don't think all those people were just uh, having a physical malady. And so we're going to see in the text, it doesn't mean that every single physical malady is demonic. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there are some people that you didn't need a pill. You need to be, uh, receive a, a pill, all right, the gospel pill. 
<laughs> you need to be rescued from Jesus Christ, okay, is what you need, okay, and man, that was some serious demonic stuff, okay, and, and then even with the drugs, it's like, is that, a, is that the drug who's speaking, the demons of both, it's what, I mean, that, is that really helping, what, you know, whoo, whatever, so I'm not an anti-medication guy, but I'm telling you folks, some of that stuff uh, is real. It can cause uh, those kind of things. Uh, in all uh, cases, medical and psychiatric treatment are of no avail because the cure is demonic, okay? Uh, is what, because the cause is demonic. Now, the cure, okay, the good news is maybe that pill ain't going to work, okay? Secular psychologist says, well, you're going to be that way the rest of your life. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus Christ alone can deliver you completely. I was at the uh, conference again last night, and uh, the, the executive director, he was sharing one testimony when he was pastoring, and uh, how he was at a house call. Another guy went with him. It was his first time out, you know, witnessing, doing a house call, right? And uh, the, the house that he went to was after, uh, it was this really big, giant Indian guy, like six foot, some odd tall, 300 pounds, big old massive guy. And uh, he was always on this medication, just really violent man, you know, big guy. And they said, we want you to go see him. This is after he had just beaten up, I think, three or four cops. Here, pastor, you go see him. <laughs> so he goes over there, man. With him and this guy, this first time out. <laughs> so he gets into the guy's house, the Indian guy's house, and he just starts telling me, you know, I just want to let you know that God loves you and Jesus loves you and I love you. And he says, stop telling me that you love me. Stop that. Right? And he says, he just kept going. He says, no. He says, you know, you need to understand God loves you. He says, stop that. He says, if you don't shut up and stop saying that, I'm going to kill you. He goes in the back room, grabs a 45, puts it to the pastor's head. He says, if you say that one more time, I'm going to kill you. And so he says, you can still kill me, but that doesn't change the fact that Jesus loves you. And the guy says, ah, okay, he gets all whatever, and whatever. And so finally he leaves the house, and as they're leaving the house, you know, they're walking back towards the car, their backs towards the guy. He's yelling from the porch, I'm going to kill you. Turn around and face me because I want you to see this coming, whatever. And the guy says, should we turn around? He says, no, Jesus will deliver us. And uh, so anyway, so they make it to the car. He said, I was fine from here all the way up, fine. He said, down here, I was doing, you know, the rest of myself. He says, but he said, he said, uh, anyway, so they made it out there and the guy got in the car. He says, are all house calls like this? <laughs> he said, no. Anyway, so he gets back. He's preaching in the pulpit the next day, right? And uh, all of a sudden there's so, so, you know, people. Like, and he's the guy, the Indian guy, he's in the back and he's preaching, right? And he's wondering, well, he's, uh, he is even going to get to preach the sermon. He made it through the sermon, right? And after he was done, here comes that, that Indian guy, big old giant massive guy. He's running down the pulpit. He says, oh, here it comes. He's going to get me, right? And he says, he, he about, I don't know how many feet before, he, he literally ran and he dove on and slid on his knees all the way up here uh, to the pulpit and grabbed the pastor uh, by the, the, the legs here. He says, almost pulled my pants down. He says, but he was weeping and crying, saying, please forgive me, right? And then he says, hey, listen, I've already forgiven you, but you need to understand that Jesus loves you. He's one forgiven. The guy gave his heart to Jesus right then. Immediately off the medication, he said he was there every time they're serving the church, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus can do, right? But guess what? That's real. That kind of stuff happens all the time, okay? And yet how many times people need deliverance from Jesus Christ and we turn to, once again, another mind trick from secular psychology in this wicked world system and we just want to medicate them. Again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not an anti-medication guy. But how many times as Christians do we need to deal with things spiritually, but we've been tricked in our own brains to think, oh, it's only, only natural and physical. It might be spiritual, okay? Because this is real. This is not a game. Demonic possession still happens today. 
It isn't just in 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. It's still today. We just don't call it that. We'll call it a psychological aberration or whatever term they keep coming up with. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Okay, and that's what he's talking about here. He says, only by dealing with the spiritual cause of the malady can it be cured. It needs to be stated that the Bible is clear that not, hey, your first, second blank, all sickness is from demonic origin. Okay, now, the next thing they do is date, uh, demons alienate men from God. Well, that's pretty sneaky. Why would they do that? Because they're demons, right? That's what they do. Okay, Dr. Unger relates the fact that cult involvement, underline this word, calluses. I love that word. Calluses the unbeliever against the gospel, right? What does the Bible say? Satan, the liturgy of this world, blinds the minds of those who don't believe, right? And I, sometimes it feels like you're talking to a wall, right? Well, why? Because they're so, where's their mindset? What have they bought into? They read the Bible every single day. And the only input they receive from is from Christians who tell them the truth. No. Okay, what's their only input? It's from the world. Well, who controls this little world with all the little ideologies and stuff? Satan, right? So he's, he's got their mind whooped up. It's a really cool passage of 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 11. Paul says that we are not ignorant. Uh, we don't want to be ignorant of the enemy's uh, schemes, okay? Uh, the, the word that's there in the Greek is noema. It's mind. It's actually his mind. We're not ignorant of his mind. He plays mind games on us. It's a mind thing, okay? And that's what he does, okay? It also, but it's not just the non-Christian he messes with. Listen, it also infects the believer by making him deadly indifferent to the word of God. What? To prayer, to worship, and spiritual life in general. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, because where's your mind when you're doing all that stuff? What sphere are you walking, living, and keeping a step in? The things of the Spirit. And what's their mandate? They want you to live down here, subpar level. And tricking you thinking that you're going to be a slave to sin for the rest of your life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But every day you got that choice. So he's going to try to wrap around your brain. And he's going to try to not just get you to buy into the secular ideologies of the world that we have to live in. But he's going to try to keep you away from this that can set you free. The truth will set you free. As a Christian. We saw before, if you're there on that first study, we talked about witchcraft and Satanism and all that stuff uh, coming into the church. And, and what he says here, he says the demons are, uh, make, a non, uh, make a Christian deadly indifferent to the word of God, prayer, worship, and spiritual life in general. That's exactly what we saw if you were there for that study of the seven most powerful demons according to witchcraft. At least this is what they believe. And that most powerful demon, they don't have a name for this. They got names for the other top six. Okay, Reggae, Lars, Bacchus, Pan, Medit, and Set. Okay, but they don't, they don't have a name for it. They just simply call him the Christian demon. If you remember that, it says he is so powerful that most witches won't even bother him. Listen, his job, and this is according to witchcraft. These guys believe in him. His job is to weaken a Christian's walk with the Lord by making him content, fail to live up to church commitments such as giving or soul winning, church participation, etc. Listen, however, one of his most destructive uh, tactics is to get Christians to talk about each other through gossiping and causing strife in the church. Well, why would he do that? Where's your mind when you're doing all that stuff? It's not on things of God. He's, he's tricking you to live down here. And so that even though your body should be an instrument of righteousness, you just got duped in your brain. He got it so twisted in there that you are now becoming an instrument of wickedness. When the church is when we gather together, Paul in Romans chapter one, he also says to the Roman people there, he says, oh, I just can't wait to see you guys, man. He says, because I'm just hoping my visit will be mutually encouraging. 
that I can encourage you, you can encourage me. That's what it should be every time we meet. That we're mutually encouraged. We're mutually encouraged in the things of God. Why? Because it encourages us to keep living in the realm of the Spirit. To be that instrument of righteousness. But the enemy will come in and ruin that whole thing. And so now that we're all against each other, we're not thinking about the, the, the preacher. We're not thinking about the songs. We're not thinking about the prayer. We're not even praying. Because we're too... You see what he does? Where does that come from? That comes from that thing that doesn't even exist. 65% say so. Spiritual warfare is what that is. And that's what he's talking about. Okay, now let's continue on. Uh, demons hinder men's general welfare. Okay, is what he's talking about. He says, under their leader, the arch tempter Satan, demons can subject man to uh, temptations. Okay, that's a given. Uh, uh, satanic demonic solicitations are both negative and positive. Satan and his helpers not only destroy the good seed in men's hearts, but they sow the bad seed. Let's take a look at that. It's a great parable. Matthew 13. Open there, if you will. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. And uh, verse uh, 24, I think. Yeah, there we go. 24. Parable of the weeds. This is cool. This is, this is a reminder. Okay, of what goes on. We talked about this, that first study. Verse 24, parable of the weeds. Jesus told him another parable, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed a good seed in his field. But while everybody was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? He says, no. He says, because uh, while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, skip down to 36 because he has to explain it to his disciples. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus, man, that was cool. We were looking happening up there with you because we're your right hand man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, psst, what are you talking? What would it mean? Don't you love that? They didn't know. They always, they always got the inside scoop. They went in the house. Hey, yeah. you think they were out there acting cool? Like, yeah, we know what he's talking about. <laughs> I love it. They do this all the time. Okay, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So Jesus answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the what? The world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. Okay, the weeds are the sons of the 65% that isn't real. Oh, I'm sorry, the evil one. What? Are you serious? And, and the enemy who sows them is who? The devil. The harvest at the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. Okay, so what does that tell you? You can continue to read and what's going to happen to them, and it's not good. They get burned. In other words, they go to hell. Okay, and, uh, but what it tells you is in the midst of the good seeds, in the midst of the sons of God, it's not just on the outside who's right there oftentimes sown in deliberately in the midst. Right? Remember the first study? That's what we said that Satanists are doing right now in churches. Witches are doing to churches. Okay? It's not just uh, working against us. They will infiltrate the church okay, to try to grab control of the church. Why? Because that's what they do. That's what they do. They oppose God and they want to mess things up. Okay? Awesome parable. Let's continue on. Sometimes evil spirits endanger man's temporal safety by exercising a certain control over natural forces. Satan employed lightning a whirlwind, and disease to afflict Job. 
The woman in a weakened condition uh, had been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. The demon's primary objective, listen to this, this is what they do. You and I get up every day and say, oh man, hopefully this is it. Oh man, I, I just want to live for Jesus. I, give me at least one person Jesus to witness to today. Oh, could you use me to lead somebody to you, Jesus Christ? Uh, I want to grow more in your word today, God. I want to be of the best positive commercial for you and whatever I say, whatever I do, in, in all things for your glory and honor. That's what, okay, preachers can dream. <laughs> anyway, no. But here is what the demons do every single day. Oh, by the way, 24-7. Here's, here's their charge. Here's their mandate. Destroy peace and harmony to introduce, listen, as much anguish, grief, misfortune, privation, suspicion, anxiety, and confusion as possible to the human life. Man, if I didn't know better, I'd say that's, those things are evil. Yeah, that's why they follow the evil one. This is real. This is, I've said it before, I say it again. Anytime you individually or church want to do something significant for Jesus Christ, you better be prepared to pay a significant price. It's not going to come easy. Why? Because there's always going to be opposition. Somebody doesn't want it to happen, all right? Uh, let's take a look. Uh, how do Satan and his demons affect believers? Now, this is where maybe we can get a little bit to the world, okay? And this is the first way he does it. Satan's influence through the world, okay? Underline that word. The world, that's one of the three things here that he tries to trick you into following instead of God. In the above section, we dealt with how Satan and his demons affect mankind. We mentioned also some biblical examples of how they can affect the believer. Now, in this section, we want to deal specifically with how the uh, believers are effective and in chapter 8 of Equipping the Saints, the basics, we point out that the Bible reveals three sources of temptation for the believer. The world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Although these sources are distinct, they all, in a sense, work together, all three. That's why I said before, uh, R.C. Sproul, uh, he said, he says, Christians, listen, Christians are the only ones, we're not just in a war, we're the only ones who have to fight a war on three different fronts all at the same time. I mean, it'd be one thing if we were in a war and we're constantly going at these guys that are coming at us this way. But we got to get these guys coming at us this way and we got these guys coming at us this way and we got these guys coming at us this way every single day. That's what the world, the flesh, and the devil are. That's why it's so hard. We're in a war. But we're in a war on three fronts. The one front we're talking about is just the world. Okay, they work together to affect the believer and lead or tempt him to depart from God's revealed will. What? Because once you start going down that route, who are you following? Who are you resembling? Right? He wants you to be just like him. Okay, for instance, one of Satan's most effective schemes, that's what we're not ignorant of his schemes, his uh, noema, his mind, his mind games, what's he up to? He says, is to lead the believer astray, is to use the philosophies, is your blank there, and the beliefs of this world system. All right? Did you catch that? Because we, we think, well, boy, it's going to get really dark if you guys go into, you know, Satanism. And you call, Man, if you touch one of them Ouija boards, I heard that story. I just heard that story from Master Billy. Woo, that's creepy. But we don't think twice about ingesting the mindset of this world. Do, do you see the illusion there? Right? It's just, if somebody was telling me, says, hey, Pastor Billy, uh, I'm making chicken. I said, so what? It's evil. And he said, yeah, but I'm barbecuing it. I said, hey, you can put barbecue sauce all you want. It's still evil, right? 
And that's what the enemy has done, right? Yeah, maybe he doesn't catch you with the evil mindset called Satanism. But all he does is put some barbecue sauce on and says, well, try this one. It's humanism. Right? Oh, you don't like barbecue sauce? How about some ranch dressing on this one called secular psychology? It's still evil. You see what I'm saying? We play the game. It's still the same thing. It's just a different packaging or a different label, but it's still the same thing, okay? And let's take a look at those. I just want to, we've talked about this. Evolution, of course, is a big fat lie. <clears throat> Lord willing, I've been uh, praying about maybe after this study, take a break and uh, go through it, uh, uh, a study on um, uh, evangelism and uh, uh, how to accurately uh, 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 portray the gospel, things of that nature. And then I've been thinking about maybe I'll uh, run you guys through uh, some study on evolution so we can get well equipped against that big fat lie and understand the authority of God's word is literal, okay, all of it from page one, verse one, all the way through, okay, uh, with that. Uh, but it's a lie, okay? Evolution says we came from a rock. Right there is a, it's diametrically opposed to the scripture, right? We did not come from a rock, okay? And that's what they believe when you boil it down, okay? But let's take a look at what does that mindset, evolution, okay? Because that's what everybody's ingesting today, okay? Oh, I'm not into Satanism. Yeah, but you buy into evolution. Well, I, I, uh, uh, it's evil. It just called God a liar. Where do lies come from? Well, what are you, a conspiracy? No, I'm a, a Christian. And God's word comes first. Oh, and, and you'll know them by their fruit. Right? The fruit of godly principles and God's word, when they're obeyed, leads to life. What has the fruit of evolution, that mindset, done to our society? Let me give you some statistics. Back in the 1950s, the average textbook had only two to 3,000 words about evolution. But in 1963, it jumped to 33,000 words. And it just so happened also that in 1963 is when they took out prayer and Bible reading out of the American school system. So what effects did it have? These are from the uh, uh, U.S. Census Bureau Statistics of Behavior. Listen to this. Since 1963, when they introduced evolution, sexually transmitted disease among teenagers and young adults have increased nearly 400%. Instances of premarital sex among teenagers have skyrocketed. Unwed pregnancies among girls are up 553%. Unmarried couples living together are up 725%. Uh, divorce rates are up 111%. Uh, Single-parent households are the, quickly becoming the norm. SAT scores have plummeted. Alcohol and drug consumption have gone ballistic. Violent crimes are up 995%. Why? Well, you teach kids from wee high that they came from an ape. Why are we shocked when they act like an ape? You tell them from wee high that there is no God. Why are you shocked when they act ungodly? Junk in, junk out. Uh, I'm not a Satanist. I'm yet spiritual warfare. Demons, I'll tell you. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Who do you think was on that island? With Charles Darwin. Looking at those birds. Hey, I got this idea. That maybe that bird, and this is actually from his logic. I'm not making this up. You can, we'll talk about this maybe one day. That maybe that bird originally came from a banana. Man, I'm thinking either you ate a piece of chicken or that's a demon. Because that's crazy. But that's, he started to build on that. And he went around that island, the Galapagos, all these different finches. There's a blue finch here and a black finch here. And one might have had a color on its beak here and another color beaks here. And there it is, evolution. All right, let me see if I get this straight. You got a bird over here. 
and you got a bird over here. How's that evolution? It's a bird. If it turned into a whale, I got, yeah, that's your point. A tomato plant, yeah, that's evolution. The Bible talks about variation, species variation. Okay, uh, and, you know, you got a dog, a dog kind, right? Then it can be big dogs, little dogs. But you look back at it, a fourth grader can, a four-year-old, it's a dog. It didn't come from banana. It's not going to turn into a tomato plant. But that's what evolution says. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Okay, but notice the side effects of listening to that. All right, we talk about another one. Uh, 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 materialism, humanism, it's all, all about self. Get what you can. Well, the getting's good. It's all about man. Man is the center of all things, right? All right, isn't that the American dream? That's what we're running for. I ain't got time for God. I got time for the things of God because I got to hurry up and build my castle and store up cash and do all this stuff and amass it all for me and myself and my fame and my glory. All right, let's, let's take a look at that thought. Bible says you better make up your mind. You can't serve both God and money, right? Listen to the fate of the world's richest men. Listen, listen to what that mindset has done. Tell me this is not a satanic trap, okay? In 1923, an important meeting was held at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago, and in attendance were the nine of the world's most successful financiers, men who had found the secret of making money. Decades later, let's see what happened to every single one of these guys, okay? These are the nine of the richest men ever. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, died bankrupt and lived on borrowed money for five years before his death. The president of the largest utility company, Samuel Insull, died a fugitive from justice and penniless in a foreign land. The president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, went insane. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur, uh, Arthur Cotton, died abroad in Solvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, uh, Richard Whitney, spent time in the famous Sing Sing Penitentiary. The member of the president's cabinet, Albert Fall, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. The greatest bear on Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, died a suicide. The head of the greatest monopoly, Ivan Kruger, died a suicide. The president of the Bank of International Sediments, Leon Fraser, died a suicide. Listen to this. All of these men learned well the art of making money, humanism, but not one learned how to live. And might I add, their lives certainly weren't filled with a lot of joy. You could be penniless, but if you got Jesus, woo, you're heading the streets of gold. I'm not into Satanists. I tell you what, no, sir, read. That's all. Ouija board, woo, I'm with you on that one. If you're all about yourself and humanism and fame and glory and riches, where do you think that came from? Just, just like that piece of chicken. I don't care. Put teriyaki sauce on it, man. It's still evil. Let me give you one more where we talk about it. I have to kick this every time because it's infected the church so bad. And it's leading Christians astray back into bondage and that's secular psychology. Let's take a look again at the founders of secular psychology. Let's take a look at the fruit of this mindset. First of all, Freud was an evolutionist. Why should I listen to him any further? Oh, he was also an atheist. Why should I listen to him any further? But we get sucked into that. He believed that the idea of God was made up by our forefathers to help us cope with life. He was a believer in the positive health benefits of cocaine and was a user himself for many years. He was addicted, had a severe addiction to nicotine. He smoked 20 cigars a day, which eventually led to his death. And Carl Jung actually wanted to psychoanalyze him, use his own teaching to test it out on him. He refused. You know what they call that in the South, don't you, Ron? It's called a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Excuse me? Abraham Maslow. It's so one of the biggest guys where we get this uh, self-awareness needs. Self comes first, self-love, self, self, self. Listen to this. 
He said the motivation for his life's work was his absolute hatred of his mother. Yeah, listen to that guy. He's a great influence. He's inspired. Karen Horneye, she decided she wasn't happy with her marriage after two years, so she began a life of constant sexual affairs to which her husband didn't object. Then she had a serious sexual addiction for young men, which included her students and fellow colleagues, and she had also sexual relations with other women as well. And I'm going to listen to you for family counsel. Carl Jung, this is one of the worst ones, and these are the founding pillars. Made a wooden, we talked about this before, and it's so funny that you're like, are you serious? This is from a, this is from a secular book that's taught in secular colleges where I got this from. It's out there. It's not like, you Christians are just making this up to make it look bad. It's out there if you know what to look for, even in the world. He made a wooden man out of a ruler, carved it, and he called it mannequin. And he talked to mannequin in times of need. He kept it in a box with him. Mannequin. Help me. <laughs> not making it up. <laughs> Oh, he had a mystical experience while sitting on a rock where he said, I couldn't tell if I was the rock or the rock was me. It was a major breakthrough in his life. He was absorbed in the occult. He studied their teachings. He attended seances. He listened to mediums, okay? And he freely admitted that he had a spirit that spoke to him and gave him many of these ideas for his beliefs of secular psychology and he called that spirit Philemon. The Bible calls that a demon. That's where he goes. And listen, what's the fruit? Oh, but, but, but come on, Pastor Billy, it works so well. Listen, psychologists have the highest occupational hazard rate of any profession in the United States. They have the highest themselves. Because you know, surely if anybody's going to benefit from it, it's them, right? They're the masters of this stuff. They have the highest rates of divorce, suicide, and alcoholism of any profession. Why would we ever listen to that? Why would we buy it? Where did that kind of come from? Oh, uh, gee, guess who? I'm not into Satanism. I'm not into cold. No, sir, read that Ouija board. Kick that thing out of here. Uh, really? But how many times do you hear people quote teachings from secular psychology even in the church today? As if we were fine for 1,900 years as having the Bible, we'll still have it on our doctrinal statement that the Bible is our final rule, not mannequin, rule for our faith and practice. Okay, okay. But then Freud comes along. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he knows better. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because that's what we've done. It's crazy, isn't it? God's the one who made us. I think he knows how to help us better than anybody. You just got to do what he says. So who in their right mind would snooker us like that? I'm thinking it rhymes with the word demon. How about you guys? It's real. Okay. And they're out there. Okay. This is exactly what Paul warned about. He says, listen to this. He says, unless we as believers are constantly checking our belief system against what? The Bible. Okay. God's objective truth. We can easily buy into a worldly belief that puts us at odds with God in that area. This is what Paul warned us about, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He said, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living, living holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this what? World, cosmos, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This cosmos system is largely characterized by its what? Underline these, ideals, entertainments, 
And these have become allurements to the Christian who is in this cosmos, though not part of it. Now, do you understand what the word cosmos means? Yes, it's translated correctly, world, but it doesn't just mean world as in this exciting artwork I get to draw once again for you guys. It's called the planet Earth, right? Yeah, Jesus said we're in this world, but just don't be of it. What's he talking about? He's not talking the planet. He's talking about this wicked, it isn't just a world system, it's a wicked world system. He says, yeah, you're on planet Earth, but planet Earth is infected with a wicked world system. You're in that, but don't be of it. Come out and be separate, is what he says. That's cosmos. The Christian can very easily, uh, if he's not careful, incorporate into his thinking elements of worldly philosophies such as secular humanism, communism, socialism, materialism, and postmodernism. In addition, the institutions of society, since they are part of the world system, are infiltrated by these same satanic philosophies. Now, underline that, satanic. Well, that's too strong of a word. Well, where do you think anything that's anti-God opposes God ultimately come from? And we can say that confidently that it comes from Satan because he's the father of most lies. All of them. Why? Because he opposes God. Okay, and the things of God. Okay? He says the Christian must constantly check what the what? Government promotes and propagates through government programs and educational institutions. They wouldn't use our schools to propagate this stuff, would they? Oh, boy. The most effective way for Satan to bring down a nation is to affect its what? Man, has that ever happened or what? 1963. He came into our school system. Uh, the churches in the same year, in the same decade, 1960s, the church used to have a filter mechanism in Hollywood. We talked about that before, I believe. For some goofball reason, I still to this day haven't found the answer why. The church exited that and gave it all over to Hollywood. And since then, the media has gone down the tubes. So now you have the two major inputs, the media and the educational system that is not owned and influenced by the church anymore. And after 40, 50 years, look at what we got. And that's exactly what he's saying. They've taken it over. It's through the thinking of the people so that it lines up the worldly philosophies that he has inspired. We're supposed to renew our minds with the inspired word of God, but he's got us inspired by his teachings. Yeah. Postmodernism is, is kind of like the mindset uh, that we have uh, today that's basically what uh, people are uh, anti-God, anti-Christian. We're in a uh, third, uh, it's a third pagan uh, generation removed from a Judeo-Christian ethic. Okay. And it's all this teaching, the, the self-ism, the me-ism. Uh, the, you know, this is the modern way of life. That was the antiquated way. We, we don't do that anymore. Uh, we, we don't have to, uh, you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a sinner. Uh, you know, those are, those are the things that grandma and grandpa believe. But this is the new way of life, the new morality, the new, you know, it's that whole mindset that what was basic Bible Christianity, Judeo-Christian ethic in the United States of America is antiquated. And there's a new way of life. And it's all intertwined with this mindset. Well, how could they even, well, you, you put in evolution, you put in secular psychology, you put in humanism, you put in uh, even socialism, warmed over communism, you put all that together and guess what? And you continue to promote that over one generation, two generations, three generations. And then if you are the, you're the Christian sticking out like a thor, sore thumb. We used to be the majority. Now we're sticking out like a sore thumb because we're not modern like everybody else. We're stuck to an antiquated in their mindset book. We're stuck into legalism. Don't you want to join us in freedom? Right? Okay, well, let's continue on. He says, uh, he says uh, most effective way is to get them inspired as well as false doctrinal beliefs are used of Satan to trip up the Christian 
and make him less effective. What you believe will affect how you act. This is why sound doctrinal teaching should be a consistent part of the Christian spiritual life. Pastor Billy, why have you taken a year and a half to go through Discipleship 101 and Discipleship Now 102? We're still going on it. Why? I'm trying to get you a good foundation in sound doctrinal teaching so that you can understand biblical, true Christianity, the nuts and bolts, and then build from there, okay, to have something to, uh, hooks to put your meat on, okay, eventually. But we gotta lay that good foundation. So anyway, but that's right. He's also gonna influence us uh, through our flesh, but we'll get to that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay? The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal. Okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission... That's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart, you wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short 
of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you for sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.